Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after this past synod, things are really starting to get messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. And for the next few months, we're going to focus particularly on delegates from this past synod to talk about what just happened and where we might be going in the future. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. We also want to say thank you to everyone who's sponsored us over on Patreon. We're slowly making our way to our modest goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com backslash the messy reformation. We've also got a Facebook page where we're putting out additional content, and we'd love for you to find us on Facebook and like our page for more updates. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with Zach Dewey. So, Zach, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, and the church that you're at. Yeah, so I am 32 years old. I'm an associate pastor. I'm Article 23, commissioned pastor. I will often tell people that that means I'm a junior varsity pastor. Um, And so (laughs) I listen to Corey Netterveld's episodes uh, that you guys have done as well. And so he said something that he was sort of like a hybrid pastor, and that's kind of what I am as well. So I came on as a youth pastor, but as the years have gone on, it's been five years now and counting, I came here to Ammon Valley. That's how we say it here in Ripon, by the way, Ammon Valley. Um, and yeah, if, you, if you're in the CRC, you may know Ripon, but I've been here for five years, and now this is my sixth year. I'm So I'm sort of the youth pastor with more roles, I guess you could say. Uh, I preach, I do the sacraments occasionally, um, I teach the adult Sunday school class here, which is a weekly thing, and I also do visitation for the elderly um, and widows, widowers, and so on, and so that's kind of most of what I do. There's always other little random bits and pieces, kind of auxiliary parts. Uh, I also do uh, a podcast with our lead pastor here, Mark Van Dyke. Uh, which maybe we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, but yeah, for my family, I I am married. I have no kids. I was married right in the middle of the pandemic, right at the beginning of it, actually. Uh, so our wedding ceremony got cut off. We went from a guest list of five or 350 to five people. Oh, um, wow. Because we were going to get married in April of 2020. And it was kind of a difficult situation. My wife, it works in the wedding industry and she's now an event coordinator and a wedding planner on the side. And so it was kind of her dream day that was taken from her. And it was a really tough pill to swallow. Uh, so we got married March 20th. We decided the night before, hey, we can't have our wedding with the guest list that we wanted. Why don't we just get married tomorrow? You know, a lot of people push that sort of thing off into the future and said, we'll just get married next year when this whole thing blows over. But 
uh, we were not going to do that. So we got married and we've been married and happily married since. Um, we, we, we do not have kids yet. That conversation is definitely uh, beginning um, now that we're over two years into it. I do not come from the CRC, as you can probably tell from my last name. I am not Dutch. Um, I had no Reformed knowledge before college, really. I didn't know any Reformed or Presbyterian people. Uh, there was not a single Reformed church in my hometown of Kingsburg, California, uh, which is just a little bit south of Fresno. Um, so my journey into the Reformed world was mostly through the sort of young, restless, and Reformed movement, and so people can make of that what they will. Uh, one of the most important books early on in my journey was Doctrine by Mark Driscoll, of all people. Uh, so interesting times, that episode, or the podcast, the Mars Hill podcast that came out, what was that, a year or two ago? Uh, it was really interesting looking back, and I, I'm happy to say I think that I've come a long way. Uh, the Lord has really disabused me of some of those, uh, I guess, restless and immature notions of Reformed theology and sort of my cage staginess. Um, and so, yeah, I've been here for five years and really enjoying the CRC, although I'm still constantly learning how things how things work. <laughs> so did you, did you come to the CRC then five years ago when you were commissioned? Was that kind of part of coming to the CRC or were you in the CRC before that? Yeah, that's a good question. I I was in college at Fresno State. I was a commuter from my hometown, and it was during that time that I was doing a lot of stuff for my church back home, which is a non-denominational church. Um, that's when I started reading my way into the Reformed faith, and so once I was making my end of college, making it towards the end of college, I realized I wanted to go into ministry. Uh, I felt a very strong calling. That calling was recognized by my church and by my leaders. Um, and so they sent me at my own request to Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. Um, I wanted to get out of state. I wanted to really stretch myself and be in a new place. Um, and I wanted to go to a, a Reformed seminary that was confessional. Didn't exactly know what that meant, but I kind of knew at the time that that, that was a level of seriousness that I think I wanted. Um, and so I went and if you know RTS, it's pretty much a PCA seminary. Um, and so I kind of dabbled with the PCA, but actually ended up at my, during my time there sort of becoming a reformed Anglican of sorts. Um, and, but then really the biggest thing on my heart was to move back to California. I wanted to be close to home during seminary. My dad died and that really cemented my desire to move home and to be closer to my family who were all spread out in California. Now, um, I'm now the farthest one North, I guess, but. Yeah, so then I just decided, you know, I want to move back to California. I don't necessarily need to be at a church that is Anglican the way I had sort of become. I wanted to be at a church that was Reformed, however. And so when I saw a CRC position available here in Ripon, I thought to myself, I know where Ripon's at. Uh, it's close to home. It's about two hours away. Um, I could totally hang out with the Dutch Reformed. I really enjoyed reading Bob Inc. in seminary. And so I thought to myself, this can't go wrong. And so I applied and they called me and I came and was commissioned as a as an Article 23 commissioned pastor the following year after I arrived. So I started out just kind of as a youth director and then moved in towards pastoral ministry. Awesome. One of the questions we like to ask people who have kind of moved into the CRC 
is uh, what what surprised you the most about moving into the Christian Reformed Church? Hmm. You know, I felt like I did do a good bit of research on it before I came in. So I kind of knew that it was going to be uh, kind of a mixed bag in some ways. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that there's there's kind of a spread of the theological spectrum in the CRC. Um, I think what surprised me the most, there's a couple of things, but one of the things I love the most, I mean, it's not so surprising, but I love it, is the thoughtfulness of the CRC. Uh, the tradition of being able to think through things really deeply, um, being in different church environments my whole life, I've seen sort of the more biblicist, fundamentalist kind of approach to scripture, uh, me and my Bible sort of thing. Um, and I even, I don't know, I, wanna, I don't want to slander anyone, but I, I think I saw a little bit of this in the PCA. Um and so coming to the CRC, it's not without its imperfections, that's for sure. But the, the, the ability to think through things at a really deep level, um, this sort of intellectual tradition, um, yeah, that was one of the things that I've loved and gravitated towards the most. And it, even though I knew that was there, having read historic reformed thinkers like Bob Inc. or Burkhoff, um, it, I'm surprised at how how well that tradition still stands, even amongst the the conservatives who are often told that they're being fundamentalists. Uh, I'm sure people listen to your podcast and say, you guys are just fundamentalists in the CRC. Uh, I think amongst the conservative group of people that I've met and come across in the CRC, there's a fairly strong sense of the ability to think through things at a really deep level. Um, and I, I really do appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Now you mentioned at the beginning um, that that you do a podcast. So uh, why don't you tell us, like, how long have you guys been doing that podcast, and what really brought it about? Yeah, good question. So our podcasts are kind of similar, I guess, in some ways. Yours is more specifically about the CRC. Ours is it's but by two CRC pastors working in a local church, and so a lot of the content is about the CRC, but not all of it. Uh, it really started um, as a desire to speak into current events in a way that we didn't have to use the pulpit. Uh, we kind of felt that sometimes there's current events going on that we as pastors would like to speak into. People are curious of our opinion on things. People often ask us, oh, what do you think of this latest thing going on in the news? Um, and so that kind of sparked it. And so this all started in 2020. We started with a few YouTube videos and we realized that's probably not the best platform for us. Um, some people would watch, but we were talking about things like COVID. We were talking about things like uh, Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd um, mm -hmm. protests that were taking place that summer. And we realized we don't want to spend a whole lot of time from the pulpit talking about these things each week, because then that would just absorb all of our pulpit ministry and it would distract us from, from the word. Um, and so we kind of decided, let's just do a few podcast episodes and see what happens with this um, and speak to these things that people are curious to hear our opinions about. We, we never planned on it being famous or popular, and it's really not still. We maybe get a, a hundred or 150 listens per episode. So it's, it's it has a little bit of traction, but we don't think that it's ever going to get super famous, nor do we really care for it to. We want it to be successful as far as it yeah. can be. But 
we don't have any desire to make it make ourselves famous or anything like that. Kind of just like you guys wanting to be yeah. of service to a small circle of people that are going to be interested in, in that sort of thing. And so we, we do still touch on different topics. Um, but the, by the way, the podcast is called reformed podmatics, kind of a play on Bob Vink's reformed dogmatics. Um, and so He's kind of one of our mutual heroes that we really enjoy together, Mark and I. And so we decided that was a fitting name. We, we played with a lot of other names for a while, but that quickly just kind of took it for us. Um, and so we still talk about all kinds of goings on in the world, uh, cultural events, you could say, news stories. Uh, but we'll also talk about more biblical things. And so we'll, we have episodes on, on all sorts of stuff, uh, biblical theology of the incarnation or a biblical theology of science and technology. We've done things like that, or we've done uh, conversations, yeah, about still things that are happening with, with COVID, or we've talked about Synod now as well. We did, I think, six episodes on Synod. So that sounds like a lot, but you guys have us beat. <laughs> yeah. uh, my question, Zach, actually, how often do you guys do your podcast? How often do you record? Uh, we try to do it weekly. Uh, it's okay. not always perfectly weekly. We usually record an episode and we drop it the day of, right then and there. We just oh, wow. send it off. Um, sometimes if we know we're going to be out of the office for a week, one of us will be gone on vacation or something, we will pre-record. Um, and then there's weeks where we just don't put anything up because we weren't able to get around to it. We know that uh, it's an important thing, but it's not the main thing it's not our it's not even on our job descriptions and so we we don't uh, prioritize it in quite the same way that we do for other parts of our ministry yeah for sure yeah we get that too i mean willie and i yeah we're all we're all doing this kind of on the side of of our main right. calling so we got to make sure we prioritize it rightly and yet yeah it's a big deal still i think uh your podcast i know a number of pastors who are listening to it and i've been listening to it and um, it's been a blessing, right? And so, and yeah, when we started the Messy Reformation too, we had no like, I don't even want to be famous. I don't want people to even recognize me. And yet we started it because we felt this need, like, hey, we've got something we can kind of bring by interviewing pastors and kind of help the conversation, yep. the CRC a little bit. And so, yeah, you don't want to, my wife teases me. She's like, there's like, there's famous people. And then there's like CRC famous people that like, nobody really knows unless you're in the CRC. And she's like, you're not even CRC famous. And I'm like, I know. And I don't even want to be CRC. Let's, let's keep it that way. Yeah. 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 So, that's, that's definitely how we feel. We just felt like people were asking us questions. And I would often hear the words, you're a pastor. I want to hear your thoughts on X, Y, or Z. And so it's yeah. not because we think we are extra intellectual. I often will say on the podcast, there's better podcasts you could be listening to than this one. There's people that I think are a lot smarter than me. Uh, and so, but people are curious, what does, what does my local pastor say? Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a big part of why we do what we do. Yeah. And I think it's just a huge benefit um, because it's not even just what does my local pastor say? It's, like in the Christian Reformed Church, we want to know, and uh, this is one of the reasons why we started the Messy Reformation, we actually want to know what other conservative CRC pastors think. And so we yeah. can we can hear a lot, we, you know, the and I'll just be blunt, the more liberal CRC pastors are really loud and really vocal, and their kind of material is everywhere, but people really didn't get to hear from 
conservative CRC pastors. And so we thought, well, let's start interviewing them and giving them kind of a platform. And, and I think you guys yeah. are doing really good work too, where people get to hear conservative CRC pastors, um, their opinions on some of these current topics. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how a lot of the platforms within our institution, the denomination of our church are held by a particular set of people. And that's just how it's always going to be that whatever institution there is, there's going to be people who sort of hold the reins. Um, and so it is interesting to hear the perspectives. And so that's why I'll listen to you guys' podcast as well. I'm just curious to see who is saying what, um, even at Senate, when I was there, I, I met a friend of yours and he was a friend of mine in my advisory committee. His name is Cedric Parcells. Um, and so I was curious to see if he, if his church had any of his sermons on, on, on the podcast app so i went, went on itunes podcast and searched his name i didn't find any of his sermons but i found his episode with you guys and so i got to listen to cedric one of the nights when i was at senate it was a fun time awesome that's good oh very fun zach i actually got to ask just one final podcast question for me anyway uh what does listenership look like kind of in your local church how many people in your church actually tune into you guys that's hard for us to gauge um, but there's definitely a set of people that listen and interact with our stuff every week. Okay. Um, there's a, I would say a couple of families that are really in tune with it. Um, and then we also outside of our church, there's people in our town, there's three CRCs now two actually, because if anybody knows first CRC Ripon is now first church Ripon. Right. Um, and they are currently, as far as I know, in the process of affiliating with trying to find another denomination to affiliate with and they're they're still haven't settled on which one um but because of that and there's also a urc and an rca in ripon so there's five dutch reformed churches so there's other people from other churches in town um and in the local area of our classes that that do listen to it as well and will give their feedback so there's a gentleman who's a retired professor in modesto who listens to it um and there's a elder of a, of, of a church in town that, that listens to it and he'll often give feedback. And so we figure that there's probably more than just those handful of people. Um, but we're not always exactly sure. Yeah. yeah well, I want to move on and, uh, and cause a, a big part of what we're doing kind of following Synod, I've, I've said, we're probably kicking a dead horse a little bit, but I wanted to get a variety <laughs> of perspectives from people talking about Synod. And, and what just happened at Synod 2022. And so uh, that's how we first met was at Synod. And so just why don't you tell us kind of what uh, what advisory committee did you serve on at, at Synod? Yeah, so I was on the advisory committee that was dealing with, I forget even the name of the advisory committee. It was advisory committee for, I think it was congregational ministries. Um, so we heard a lot of reports. That was probably the majority of our time was hearing reports and just uh, sort of rubber stamping things uh, coming in from the various congregational ministries or the ministries that the CRC supports. Uh, that would be like pastor church ministries or disability ministries, uh, um, uh, the social justice, race reconciliation ministries, uh, World Renew. Even we had a report from their leader who was with us. Um, one of the more interesting things that happened in my advisory committee was the development of a recommendation to the floor of Senate to sound off or to put together a study committee, really, 
on what it means, what ecclesiastical matters are, right. to distinguish what that what those are, and how we should, as a church, speak to them in an ecclesiastical manner. Uh, I know people are listening, so they can't see my air quotes that I'm doing here, but those that's really the tricky language. Um, and there have been discussions, as far as I understood it, um, there have been discussions over the years of whether certain issues that our church, our denomination wants to speak to really qualify as ecclesiastical matters. One of them would be environmental issues um, and, and global warming. Is that an ecclesiastical matter? And if it is, how do we speak to that in an ecclesiastical manner? There's been lots of disagreements on this over the last few years. Um, and so our committee decided, yes, it would be best to put together a study committee. And what had originally happened is the Synod 2019 said to the COD, the Council of Delegates, this needs to be discussed. We think the Council of Delegates is the right group to discuss this. So then the Council of Delegates received this in 2020 and said, after thinking about it, we think Synod would actually be the best group to appoint, if necessary, a study committee. And so that came to us in Synod 2022 to decide whether or not a study committee was necessary. And what was interesting is that in our advisory committee, it was a unanimous decision once we figured, finally figured out what exactly we were meaning and what exactly we wanted. And so there was a sort of subcommittee of a few people, Cedric Parcells being one of them, uh, who stuck behind on one of the days we were there in, in advisory committees, and they came up with the language and we all agreed to it. Interestingly, there, there were people there on different sides of these political issues in our denomination. And we all thought, yes, we need clarity on this. Uh, one of the youth advisors who was there it was a former uh, intern or employee, I'm not sure, of the OSJ. And she even agreed this would help the OSJ know what they should or should not speak to. This kind of clarity matters. Um, and so we were all in agreement. Even though we had different uh, approaches to how we hoped it would come out, the study committee, we were all in agreement that something like this needed to, to be done. It would be helpful. And so we took it to the floor of Senate, and I thought this is going to pass. But for whatever reason, it did not. I think it it was it came down to like 94 to 77 or, or something close to that those numbers. Um, and so it was relatively close, but uh, it did not pass. And so the one important thing that I felt our committee did didn't quite come to fruition, but uh, I can tell you I had a really great time with my committee. That was a, it's a great way. I, I, this is my first time. We could talk about that too. I'm another one of those first timers at Senate. Um, it, the advisory committee times were a great way for me to just sort of make a few friends. And then from there throughout the rest of the week, I made more friends. And so I really am happy and grateful that the advisory committees do happen first, just because it kind of gives you uh, a small group of people for an introvert like me, that was helpful to kind of make a few friends, uh, excuse me, get the lay of the land a little bit. And then from there, start meeting other people as the week wore on. Yeah, um, I, I just wanted I just remembered as you were saying, uh, you were a first time delegate. Um, and obviously, I, I was too. And so I had a bunch of I put all those first time delegate videos out ahead of time. So I had people walking up to me at Synod, saying, Hi, those I'm a helpful delegate. Um, <laughs> but anyway, helpful. In response to that, somebody had sent me this, the statistics 56% of the delegates in 2022 were first time delegates. Wow. 
But that wow. wasn't the record. Uh, the record okay. was in 2019, which was 58%. So okay. they were wondering if there's maybe uh, this person was questioning, like, okay, does this show that maybe some of these first-time delegates, like we have kind of a, a younger, right? A lot of people looked at Synod and said, hey, the younger crowd here are the conservatives, and there are a lot of first-time delegates because they're just younger guys kind of diving in. And so do we have a generational shift here and maybe even a younger movement happening in the CRC? Did you kind of get that feel at Synod as well? Yeah, I think so a little bit. I I did. It's <clears throat> And maybe I see it this way because I came into the Reformed faith through this sort of young, restless, and Reformed yeah. angle. Um, and so I kind of, like, if my whole Reformed experience really up until getting here was young other dudes who like me were reading their way into the reformed faith uh we were reading guys like rc Sproul or like john frame or or whoever else john piper john MacArthur out here in california was was pretty big um and so i've always kind of seen this and i could say i could see how that was taking place at synod a little bit uh there was a good bit of young i think the youngest ever synod delegate was that or one of the youngest ever was there i think he was 22 he was a deacon from somewhere in michigan um and so i think there is sort of a movement um in some ways especially young pastors like me who've come in from the outside and this is why sometimes i've felt a little bit uh ostracized as being a newcomer to the crc uh there's there's not often a whole lot of appreciation for for newcomers from from everyone. A lot of people are very thankful for newcomers into the CRC, uh, but that doesn't that does that's not true of everyone because some would say we're changing the culture of the CRC, and perhaps that's yeah. fair. Yeah, and that's fair, but that, I think that's also uh, a good thing, right? Right. It, it it's kind of it's it's funny to me. So I didn't grow up in the CRC either even though now i've been in the crc longer than i wasn't so i became a member of the crc (laughs) when i was 15 so Hmm. so i've been in the 24 years or whatever i've been in the christian reformed church and so um and yeah when you come into it you hear all of the criticisms of well we're just a dutch church we need to stop being such a dutch church we need to you know the whole if you ain't dutch you ain't much and so now we start bringing people in and people come in because they love our theology they love our teaching, our doctrine, our confessions, they love the the thoughtfulness, like these are all the things that people come here for. And then the Dutchness ends up, people are like, well, wait, 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 that's not who we are. We're, they almost yeah. have to hold more to their Dutch identity than they yeah, have. You know what's, sorry, I, did. I think that's, that's right. And I, I can kind of go back to our conversation about what has been surprising to me the most and this would be a negative surprising thing. It's really that there are, as I've come to see it, and Senate really made this clear to me, there's really two different reformed ships here and they're sailing right past one another. They're going in two different, they're going to two different places. And there was, there was a time um, when I was talking with another reformed CRC youth pastor and I mentioned to him in passing the regulative principle. This is a seminary trained youth pastor. And he said, what is that? And this was my second year here. Um, 
and I said, well, it's, you know, it's the, it's the reformed way of worship where we worship according to God's word. We worship God the way God calls us to worship him, not just however we want to worship him. Now, if you go back 10 minutes, I said that I'm kind of a quasi Anglican. So people would be wondering, well, do you really believe that? And that's the conversation for another time. I guess I have an, a loose interpretation of the regulative principle. However, I do think that the basics of the principle are important and are good. We can't just start doing skits from the stage. I, I think we, sh we should not do those sorts of things. Interpretive dance probably shouldn't be doing. Um, there's things we should not be doing in the worship service, in the liturgy. Um, and so he, he kind of looked at me deer in the headlights and said something like that doesn't sound reformed at all. Every square inch, all, all ways of worship are supposed to be incorporated. Um, and God loves all of it. It all blesses God. And so that was for me, like a big light bulb moment that, okay, there's really two different ways of approaching what it means to be reformed. And the, the way that I was raised in coming into the reformed faith through the young, restless and reformed going to RTS Orlando, which really disabused me, as I said, of the young, restless and reformed kind of uh, angstiness um, and really grounded me in the history and the tradition of the reformed theology. I really, really realized then in that moment that Okay, here's somebody who was raised in the CRC, has gone to uh, CRC schools their whole life, um, has been seminary trained, though not at Calvin, I will say. Uh, and it was like we were talking two different languages. Uh, and that was really interesting to me. Um, and so I would say, going back to our conversation about identity and Dutchness, I, I hope that even though I may seem very different to a, lot of, to a lot of people, like I'm changing the culture, I hope by reminding people of the Dutch Reformed tradition that, that their church comes from, that they will appreciate it more. Uh, this is why, again, we talk about Bavink quite a bit on our podcast, uh, because we want people in our pews to be thinking of and reading about Bavink. Now, we know not everybody's going to be reading the reformed dogmatics, but maybe they can pick up uh, the wonderful works of God, uh, the sort of simplified version. Maybe they can begin to see, oh, my my reformed tradition is more than just this every square inch hyper Kuyperianism. It actually is a lot deeper um, and more holistic than than what I've been told for the past fifty or sixty years. And so, yeah, we're at an identity crisis crossroads in the CRC, and I hope what people are saying is that no it's not people like zach who are changing our culture i think they're trying to restore our culture they're trying to restore our heritage and our faith and that means a lot to me i'm somebody who's a church history nerd and i think we ought to have our church history uh, always living in our hearts um, and not wanting to to sort of give up on that heritage that we've been given Amen. 100%. I wanted to trade our birthright for a bowl of porridge. Yeah. Well, and I keep as you were as you were describing that, I kept thinking of the the repeated refrain throughout Scripture of, you know, the next generation grew up who knew not, and uh, right. and I feel like we've had that where there's a generation, and and this may sound heretical, but there's a generation who knew not Bavink, right, yeah. or who knew not our Reformed confessions. And they just kind of wandered away from our confessions and our theological heritage. 
And now we're kind of like a generation rising up almost like uh, when Josiah was the king and they started like, oh, we should clean out the temple and they're cleaning out the temple. They find God's word. Do they like have to dust it yeah. off? Have to find somebody to like interpret it. And they're like, Whoa, this is really good stuff. And so it's kind of like us. Yeah. We've been kind of, we grew up with this generation who knew not our confessions and, and our theological history. And now we're retrieving and recovering that. And we're reading Bavink mm -hmm. and going, whoa why didn't anybody teach us about this and our confessions and and so we're we are trying to we are changing our culture for sure i mean i think we're changing it but uh, like you said we're actually trying to reform restore back to kind of the the roots of who we are because i think we've lost that and yep. i think it was derek bukeman one of our very first episodes who said like we've we've embraced our dutchness or our dutch culture or even just our crc identity more than we've embraced our confessional biblical identity. And, uh, and I think we, we've yeah. seen that just really clearly um, with Neeland and how they've responded to Synod's actions, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is all public. Larry Louder said it from the state, you know, from the floor. It's on YouTube. He said, right. like, we love the Christian Reformed Church. But mm -hmm. he said that after saying, like, he, he, completely disagreed with and probably hated a lot of the things that the Christian Reformed Church just said. And yeah. so it points to this. We love the, the heritage of the CRC. We love the name or this CRC identity, but we actually don't love who we are or what we believe or how we act together. And so it's this weird, yeah, weird dynamic. Yeah, it, it truly is. There's a lot of things I feel like I could say in response to that. I'll start by saying Larry became a friend. He was in my advisory committee. And so we had good conversations throughout the week, um, even though we knew we were very, uh, very much in disagreement on a lot of the core things that were being discussed. Um, but he's the kind of guy I would love to sit down and grab a drink with and hang out with. Um, but what he said was was really fascinating on that last day. Uh, you're going to have to kick us out. We're not going anywhere. We love the CRC. Um, so, yeah, there is a distinction between the CRC, loving the CRC's heritage, and loving reformed, the Reformed heritage. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Zach Dewey. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.